Hey everyone, welcome to the Now You Can Know podcast, where we talk about data lakes, analytics, and data visualization so you can measure what matters. We're your hosts, Ben Hayden and Chris Reynolds, and we're uh, going to take this episode today and just do a little bit of introduction about uh, the two of us and what you can look forward to listening on this podcast and uh, data lamp out in the wild. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Ben. This is Chris Reynolds. And uh, yeah, so we started, I started a company uh, in 2004 named Brightcore with my co-founder, who is my cousin. And uh, that company built insurance software. So I've been working with insurance data, which is a fairly complex form of data for, you know, going on almost 20 years. That's a long time. <laughs> I know. Look at myself in the video right now. I'm realizing how old I look. Uh, I looked younger when we when we first started this thing, and yeah, it was a great experience. I mean, I learned a lot about uh, the various ways to handle really complex data, and uh, in the insurance ecosystem, it, obviously, it's extremely it's extremely difficult. Yeah. In 2000, around 2008. Yep. When, did we, when did when did we hire you? 2008, yep. right? 2008. Obama. 2008. That's, that's what I remember yeah. is was the that's Obama right. voting voting. That party. was what was happening. Yep. So 2008, uh, I hired my very first employee into Brightcore, which was Ben Hayden, who is our our uh, other host here. And Ben Hayden and I now work together, uh, co-founders of a couple of companies. Uh, but DataLamp is the main one that we're doing with this data project. So yeah, Ben, take it over. Yeah, um, I started uh, at Brightcore in 2008 and uh, rode a lot of the roller coasters up, up and downs of the startup life and learned a ton about insurance in the process. Uh, I still have vivid memories of sitting in an office with a whiteboard and Chris showing me tables of how to rate policies and rate tables and factor tables and uh, all that all that data that's there. And there's just um, a lot out in the world uh, as far as data any project you know comes back to data um and and how you interact with it and what you do uh with that and uh throughout my career i have stayed fairly uh behind the scenes or internet plumbing as i like to uh like to call it so a lot of <laughs> cloud development um a lot of uh infrastructure uh whenever aws uh came onto the scene i dove really deep into that um in a few different companies and positions. And uh, here recently, Chris and I have been uh, helping uh, companies build data lakes with AWS. So it's actually kind of a mix of the two. Um, and I think that we'll talk a bit uh, around how to set up data lakes from an infrastructure side, um, uh, best practices in AWS, what sort of tools you can use, but also just the uh, data analytic theory um, and how to build the theoretical views and um, tables to build your data like fundamentals and things like that throughout here. So uh, yeah, um, been, in, been in this for, for a minute. I am also older than I used to be, uh, but <laughs> yeah. you know, it's uh, we're wizened. We're wizened to the industry and uh, excited to start this new venture with folks. So, so one of the um, memories that yeah. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to bring up that I just thought of while you were saying this was as I was trying to solve this sort of deep, huge data problem at Brightcore, and I, I sort of like locked myself, if you remember correctly, I locked myself in a bathroom. Yep, uh, yep, upstairs. So, so as as a startup, we had we had like a we had like a corporate office kind of area, which was just like a big open space in an old warehouse. But then the second story had apartments, and so we had grown big enough that we needed the apartment space, and I couldn't find a quiet space. And if you know me, uh, as none of you do, 
I, uh, I I need absolute silence to work, and I don't think I had any noise canceling headphones, and maybe they were super expensive back then or something. But yeah. uh, so I jammed myself into into the bathroom because no one used the bathroom that was up there, and I literally put a table up and did my work there. And we didn't I see you for weeks at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and I remember I didn't wear any shoes. I was just walking around with socks yep. and clothes. Yep. Right? It's and important that I say I was clothed. Theoretically, the we, like I said, we didn't see you. So we have no, no clue. The, you would not know. <laughs> you would not know. But uh, yeah, so I could not get the, I couldn't squeeze the amount of performance out of the system that we needed in order to get the data that I, I wanted. And actually, I remember sort of running downstairs and I grabbed Ben and we went to the conference room and I was like, dude, what am I going to do? Yep. Like we got, we have data we need to crunch. And, uh, the, the cloud was not yet really giving us the kind of performance we needed. We didn't have sort of scaling capacity that we have today. And Ben said, you should really look at a tool called pandas. And so I ordered uh, the Pandas book, which was still, I think, brand new. I don't even know if the first. I think it was a pre-release of the book. Yeah, that's right. I got a pre-release PDF and uh, went home that night and read the whole thing. Started working with Pandas, and to this day, I actually still use Pandas quite a bit. It's a very, it's a very slick tool. So you're also just forgetting to, kind of to mention idea. that you are a Pandas core contributor at this point. Yes, well, in your career well, as well. It, minor, but yes, I, I, it's it's true. I I got to spend some time doing some of the Cython work uh, yeah. under the hood of Python for a little bit, which was really fun. But yeah, so you know, just to give you a little bit of the history of of the data problem that I've seen, that Ben and I've seen. We have, you know, we started where uh, we were dealing with large amounts of data that had to be dealt with in an environment that was not even cloud oriented yet, and then moved it to the cloud. And as Amazon was growing, uh, which is the the cloud that we use there, AWS, uh, we were able to utilize a lot of the tools that they had. One of the things that was uh, infinitely frustrating in my in my first work with uh, some of that complex data was the fact that the customers that we had, I couldn't solve their whole business case. Sure. We had a small view of their data. You know, we, we had, not small, it was, it was a large view of their data, but it didn't encapsulate all of their enterprise data. Correct. And so they needed things answered uh, uh, to do things like insurance companies have to file a thing called a yellow book, which is an NAIC standard, a national standard that they have to, that they have to file. And to do that, they actually have to get access to some of the data that we wouldn't have in the policy administration system. And so we, uh, it was frustrating to me that I couldn't actually solve the broader problem. Yeah, you couldn't solve the customer's needs. Exactly. Yeah. So as time went by, you know, I went through the world of the whole data warehouse thing, uh, learned that. And that Star day, schemas. I remember Star, I have absolutely. that memory as well. Yeah, Prestige and star schemas. Fat tables, dimension tables. I did the whole thing. I, got, I went deep. I uh, still have the books yep. on my bookshelf behind me, actually, uh, that, that go through all of that. The Kimball books. Uh, learned all of that stuff. And it was actually really helpful to understand at that time what like an ETL process looked like, which is ex right. extract, transform, and load. And, uh, and the thing is... Uh, that process is actually pretty painful <laughs> because yeah. it's it turns out building perfect data models of imperfect data is is a difficult oh, difficult problem it is just a grinder and and doing it you know for one company is achievable one insurance company one insurance company but we yes. didn't have one insurance company we had 80 no. So I was working with- all built their data models differently. A little differently, yeah. So we had like the same tables for everybody, but we had some complex data structures that used things early. Sure. We were early adopters of JSON, uh, had columns that were loaded up with some JSON data. And so 
we had to figure out how we were going to sort of, uh, you know, normalize that data and get it to where it needed mm -hmm. to be. And, and when the models were, were different, you know, different insurance companies tend to rate their, their policies just a little bit differently. Um, it became a really hard problem. So as time went on, uh, I, I got uh, very interested in the data lake movement. And for those of you that don't know what a data lake is, that would be pretty normal. The language around data is really weird and very nerdy. Sure. So I'll just uh, give you a little high level view of what that looks like. The basic idea of a data lake is that as a company, you put all of your data into one location. And that's like the base layer. You think of it like the first layer. All the data goes in there unchanged. And the unchanged is critical because if you've worked with data for any length of time at all, if you've ever done anything with data at all, you know that the second you transform data, you probably mess it up. Or you have right. a probability of messing it up. So you have to put the data in its unchanged it's like form. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You put it in that, in that base layer. And then your job from there is to figure out how you get it into the format that you need in order to actually do something with that data. So we'll talk you through a little bit of what some of those steps are uh, over the course of this podcast. You're going to learn mm -hmm. a lot about, uh, about the things that we run into, the problems we run into, and the problems we've solved, some of the problems that we've yet to solve. But one of our goals with the podcast is to document our process along the way. We're building this company from scratch. We're bootstrappers. Yep. And uh, so we're going to build this thing as we go. We're going to run into problems that we haven't seen before. And if you're a listener to our podcast and you have an answer to a thing we haven't seen before, please let us know. That'd be great. That'd be great. We already appreciate it. The, the thing that I feel like is it feels new to me about the the data lake movement and sort of where it's headed and where, where it has, where we're at today is that most people are stuck in an old mindset about data. They still think about data like a database or they think about data like data that they can extract from a database and that kind of thing. But the reality is the sources of data available to companies today are so much broader than what people even understand. Right. You, you can pull like what all is data? Clickstream logs are data. Logs in general are data, right? unstructured or, or a little bit structured yeah. json data is data but the thing that most people are just straight up missing is that reports are data every right. single system that any company uses i mean so almost all companies at this point are very SaaS dependent so they have a lot of SaaS products that they use that are generating this data and they can pull reports mm -hmm. usually they're in excel format some of them are in pdf format which is you know a little less fun to work with but still possible sure. less malleable yeah less malleable but you, you can use that, you can actually import that data into the data lake and use what was essentially an output of one system as an input to the data lake, which is absolutely magical. I mean, there is a ton yeah, is. of stuff you can do once, you, once that breakthrough happens. Um, and so part of what we're trying to describe for people is an overall process and way of thinking that will allow them to build a data lake that includes all of their enterprise data. So just using an example, we'll use the example of our, uh, some of the insurance customers. We actually have an insurance customer right now uh, that we're working with. And for that insurance customer, we're able to get data out of their policy administration system. We can use you know, really any system at all would, will work. Uh, they have a historical, they have a couple of historical systems that they've come from. And of course, 
you know, for, for the insurance industry, most people have typically thought like, hey, the only way I get access to my data is in my policy administration system. Wrong. That's actually yeah. not right. That's an old way of thinking. There's a new way of thinking about this problem, which will incorporate the data from your current policy administration system and any previous systems that you had, the historical yep. data that you've maybe kept in a different format, in a different place. Whatever and the you, other company gave you. Whatever they that, gave you as output yep. or, and some people keep you know old policy administrations running just for the fact that they can have access to that old data, which Correct. is very inefficient. Doubles right? on the cost. Yeah. Doubles on the cost, or, or, or at least it could. Uh, yeah. And so... That's an example of a place that, you know, you can see a huge benefit by implementing something like a data lake. But the other thing is, think of all the other sources of data for an insurance company, right? Insurance companies have banking data that's extremely useful. Mm -hmm. They have investment data. Investments for insurance companies are the, one of their largest revenue streams. It's the way that they actually make a lot of their revenue, especially in years where their underwriting profit uh, doesn't exist, which happens typically maybe several years out of, out of you know, five. Uh, and so... They have investment data, they have banking data, they have clickstream data, they have application volume data, they have partner data with their reinsure, uh, reinsurance companies. They have, and, and, and that data actually needs to flow two ways. They get data that comes in and they, they need to be able to provide their partners and their stakeholders with data as well. All of that should help companies see that there is a way to do this that isn't hugely painful and isn't super expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I feel like that has sort of been shocking uh, to to our customers thus far, Ben and I have built so far uh, several data lakes. And in the process of building the data lakes that we've built, uh, we've been able to uh, to to build the first version of that data lake, which is which is huge. I mean, a big data lake with all the customers data in it. Usually we can build those things in under four weeks, which is yeah. which is unheard of for things like. Uh, data warehouses and some of the old ways of thinking about data. Part of that is um, solving. I, th I feel like data lakes are, are more incremental in design um, mm -hmm. and you're able to design your views and design your layers as you go since that first layer is raw. Um, and a lot of a lot of customers, you know, don't know what they they want until they see a version of it anyways. So I, I, I feel yeah. like um, the lake process and the lake formation process that we that we work through is more iterative iterative and um able to be accomplished with uh customers as partners and and building the visualizations and the data that they want to to receive and then one one thing that i think while you were talking about the historical systems that i wanted to mention is just that that i, I do feel like at, at data lamp and chris and i um whenever we see data we know data um at your company is is, is so many different sources, but it also is just ever since your company has been in, like was established, right? A lot of these insurance companies have since 1889 or 1990, yeah. like, so th there's likely that you have like paper records as well. And there are, there are tools that Chris and I have worked with to actually take scans of, of um, previous reports and upload them into something that I that I would say that is more malleable that we could actually put as an input into your, into your data lake. So you could have dashboarding views of, of policy counts and premium counts from 1970 forward and see the trends, um, especially if a lot of companies are, are driven by stocks. You know, stocks aren't something that you can view in such a small 18-month time lens. You have to look at many multiples of years 
Um, and I feel like the the data lake being able to uh, enca- encapsulate so many different sources is a great spot for uh, visualizations over those decades. Yeah, definitely. And and also, I mean, there there's this whole idea of bringing in external data uh, to mash up with the data that mm-hmm. you have. So external sources like census data and data that's coming from let's say uh, risk databases uh, and and weather event databases, all very, very useful to be able to to pull that data in. So in a future podcast, we're actually gonna talk about a process to build a data lake. We'll kind of give you a high level view. Uh, But the one thing that I wanted to mention uh, about about, uh, the end result of a data lake that I think is extremely important is that once your data is in a data lake, you, you can now do almost anything with it. And so we have typically used uh, business uh, analytics tools or BI tools, uh, business intelligence tools, to create visualizations for customers off of their data lakes. So data lakes themselves are sort of the underlying bits and maybe not all that interesting. That's like the way that you sort data and the way that you organize data and, and where you put it, how you index it, all that kind of stuff. What businesses want is the ability to measure the things that matter. And so many companies out there cannot measure the things that matter today because they just don't have insight into their data. They have the data, but they don't know how to make a choice about it because they can't get it in the format they need. Or they're being held accountable for results, but don't know how to measure themselves yeah. on, on on that result. Um, you know, if, if, the, if companies' boards are looking for growth or looking for... Um, what is the source of uh, churn and things like that? A lot of that, those kinds of questions can feel um, just like freezing. Like you, like you don't know what to do. Um, like that, yeah. like you're uh, deer in headlights. And I, and I feel like the proper uh, set of views and and data tools is is essentially what your business needs to to uh, continue to grow and and succeed. Um, the, the UI and UX of, of application tools to, to process policies and claims throughout, you know, the day is important, like a, no doubt, but as far as what determines a company's growth or success over, like I said, multi-year timelines is the ability to make bets on your data, see future forecasting, um, inside of your dashboards to know, Hey, if we bump this from xyz number to abc number like we're going to see this growth like the the metrics support it that that is a, a type of insurance for insurance companies that that they um would really benefit from yeah i mean the overall trajectory is just like it's it's hard to make i think a high level executive decision without having data to look at and to inform your decision making process so that that is a thing that that is not just for like huge giant companies these days. I know there's right. a lot of studies out there that talk about how many companies attempt to do a data warehouse type solution and how many of those solutions fail. And they typically fail with enormous expense. But a data lake solution is is much easier to do because again, that base layer is just getting the data into the system. And you have many different, like you said, Ben, it's like it's an iterative approach, right? Yeah. Like you can take an iterative approach to building views against that base level of data to get toward the data that you actually need to look at. Um, and it makes a huge it makes a huge difference. The other thing that you brought up that I feel like is really good is um, the idea of, of being able to use that on the front lines, mm-hmm. right? So 
once your data is in a data lake, once you have things like visualization tools and you're actually making good high-level decisions, you can also use that data lake to do stuff like internal tooling. Mm -hmm. And internal tooling is unbelievably cool. There are options that are out there today that did not exist even a few years ago. Uh, companies like Retool yeah. that have created uh, ways for you to basically create drag and drop interfaces for your internal tooling. And that data uh, or that, that Retool tool or whatever you're doing for internal tooling can look at your data lake yep. as a data source. And now it's looking across all of your enterprise data, which none of your tools could possibly do because, they all have again, scopes. this is something that I think people, yeah, and people don't, this is never brought up. Like everybody says, oh, you know, here's this great tool. This is going to solve all your problem. Power BI, QuickSight, mm -hmm. Tableau, whatever. No, it isn't. The, the reality is that everybody's data, every company's data is like a fingerprint. That data is matched specifically to your company. And com no two companies have the exact same data signature, yep. right? It's all different. And so it's impossible for there to be a system that would look over all of your enterprise data unless you've got it all in one location and you can sort of tweak that to your to your benefit. And that that's a huge advantage, especially in the case of, of an insurance company where you have things like underwriters who need to be able to look at large a larger view of enterprise data to make a decision about like, hey, have we written too many policies in, an, in a particular area that gives us a, an increased uh, catastrophe mm -hmm. risk or something like that? Um, and being able to see that in real time, what well, you can't just like integrate that into a policy admin system right off the bat, right? Instead, what you need to do is be able to have that into a broader uh, data data lake yep. where you can actually pull that data in and expose that to the people who need to use it that are on the front lines. Yep. And uh, the, I mean, we can't say it enough. How many is this? Is literally any insurance banking like any system that has like reports of record or or things uh things with numbers can can uh can use this tooling and this concept um the the base views all all work with that and then you know chris and i can work with with you to come up with the the right you know, data gems or, or or nuggets that can really uh transform uh companies yeah the you know we've seen like i'd say in every company I'd say probably in every company, there is some amount of an accounting function, right? Like some right. some bookkeeper that, that's doing. And one of the things that is very painful for most companies is balancing some report to some other report. This was a thing I was going to mention earlier: is is the diffing or balancing data? Yeah, it's a total shocking thing to me that there aren't just a huge number of tools available that people are aware of that I'm not aware of any tools that are out there that do this that make it super easy for somebody who's really used you know lives in Excel all day right mm -hmm. they just live in Excel yeah. it's account this is an accountant's world and they have uh, spreadsheet a and spreadsheet B what you know what is different between spreadsheet a and spreadsheet B right what if I if I run the totals on each of the each of the line items in a and B, which ones are gonna are not gonna match, right? That might tell me something that I need to know whenever I'm balancing and doing some sort of month end closing or something like that. Um, and and this is another example of a place where there are incredibly powerful SQL tools to be able to do that. If that data was sitting inside of a data lake and it was queryable, you could query it with a full outer join and you could find out exactly what's in A that isn't in B and what's in B that isn't in A. And it makes a 
I mean, the speed difference to being able to close your month in books, to be able to validate what's in this, it's not in that. I mean, how many people have uh, have seen an accountant or a bookkeeper pull out a spreadsheet, print it off, pull out a highlighter and a pen and start right. looking, you know, row one. All right. Row two. Oh, yep. it's like it's like pulling fingernails, man. It's, it's, yep. it's awful. Yep. Uh, and there are just so many tools that are better for that kind of thing. And then once you have that and you have the ability to do these kinds of queries, now you have a whole new thing that you can do. You can automate it. Right. Exactly. So at the, at the end of the month. Uh, you simply run an automated process that automatically pulls all of that information, does the balancing, and just tells you what the diff is. Hey, you know these six policies are in this report that aren't in these. You probably need to go check those out. That kind of thing. Yep. Uh, the opportunities are huge, uh, and uh, and most people are unaware that this is even an option. Most people are still dependent on either a core system, uh, or you know an ERP or a CRM to do all the reporting mm -hmm. for them. In reality. That is an old paradigm, and it's time for people to get out of, that old, of the old paradigm, move into the new paradigm, where we put all of our enterprise data in a single location that we own as a company, right? You want to own that data. That is your data. And then use it as a resource in all of the various areas that you can use it in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like we've, we've about covered it um, as far as an intro, what we're about and what, what folks will be... Uh gleaning more from us um you know if you've uh listened to this episode and have more ideas or uh things that you would like to know more about um please reach out and let chris and i know um what do you think chris yeah i'd say uh the one thing that i want to make sure that all of our listeners all of our at the moment zero listeners <laughs> uh, <laughs> my mom will listen to it it's great Don't yeah somebody it. will uh that that i want them to understand is that uh in, we're going to try to do quite a few podcasts. Uh, we'll see if we can keep up with the schedule that we're going to sure. try to put out there. Yeah. But uh, a lot of this is documentation for us. It's just we want to document what our processes are, the issues we run into. So it'll be a little bit raw. There'll be some things that we find uh, that we didn't expect to find and then a solution we find in the next couple of days. <laughs> we'll, yeah. Yep. And we'll say that too. So uh, Absolutely. The, pro anyway, the process been, is, is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a, an iterative approach. So all right, so we'll just uh, we'll wrap up this episode of the Now You Can Know podcast. Uh, be sure to leave us a five star rating if you like the podcast. If you don't like the podcast, maybe don't leave us a rating at yeah, all. Don't need to rate it. <laughs> you can keep up with Ben and I on Twitter. We're at Data Lamp Inc. And other than that, we will see you in the next podcast. All right, thanks everyone. <laughs>